knowing what God wants us to know, uh, then he'll reveal it to us. But we've been taking some time to look through God's word, and it shows us that God actually wants us uh, to, to be in the know, so to speak, to have an idea of, of what his purpose and his will is for our lives, uh, what his word really says. Uh, you know, it, it's funny because the, the Bible is the one book that we're all supposed to live by, but for a lot of people, it's a very confusing book. And everyone has a different idea on what the Bible says and what they think the Bible says. And that's why, uh, you know, the apostles, they wrote so much about Bible interpretation, about understanding the Word, about understanding uh, what, the, what the Word means when it says a thing. And so we, we need to know these things. We don't need to be left in the dark. Uh, we don't need to have misunderstandings and misconceptions of, of who God is and what God wants us to do. Uh, God has a, has a Word for each one of us. And um, so I hope over the past few weeks we've been able, been able to answer some of those questions, uh, been able to help you know and understand God's Word um, and, and how to apply it to your life. Uh, remember the first week, let me just give a little bit of recap. The first week we talked about helping our perception of who God is. And if you remember that week I put up some pictures of what the world thinks God looks like. And so we saw a picture of a God that... Really, if God looked like that, we probably wouldn't want to get to know him very much. And it doesn't look like someone that wants to get to know us. He looked like, you know, a mean old grandpa or uncle that's waiting for you to mess up and waiting for you to, to uh, you know, do something wrong in life so he can strike you down. But that's not the God we serve. Uh, the God we serve has a great plan for our lives. Jeremiah 29:11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Thank God he made a plan. Thank God before he set this whole thing in motion that he had a plan. There's so many of us that do things uh, blindly through life. We don't have a plan. We don't have a setup. We don't have, uh, we don't have instructions. But our God is not like that. Our God designed this whole world and designed us with a plan in mind. So we first had to take care of the perception. We saw that the Bible says that we can boldly access the throne of grace. The Bible says that he hears me when I pray. And then second week, we started looking at knowing God's will. How can we know God's will for our lives? Well, Jesus had the same dilemma we did. And a lot of times we put Jesus in a different box uh, because he was the son of God. But when he came to earth, he was 100% man. He was 100% God, but he was also man, which means he could have sought to do his own purpose and his own will. In fact, Jesus, in John chapter 5 and verse 30, said, I don't seek my own will, but... I seek my Father's will. What does that tell us? That tells us that Jesus could have sought his own will. Instead of going and laying hands on the sick all day long, he could have gone and done what he wanted to do. Instead of staying up all night praying, he could have been relaxing and taking it easy. But thank God he sought God's will. And because of that, he was able to firmly say everywhere he went, I do nothing on my own initiative. I do nothing on my own will. I don't go where I want to go. I don't say what I want to say. That needs to be uh, what we say on a regular basis. That needs to be us. I mean, being in the kingdom of God, being here as agents and ambassadors for the kingdom of God, we need to be walking around saying everything I do, everything I say, everywhere I go points back to the king, points back to the father. And that's what Jesus did. Then last week we took a look at the mystery, the mystery. Why, why, did, why did Jesus use the word mystery? Why did Paul use the word mystery? And we saw that there is a search to know God's will. And God isn't hiding his will, or God, God isn't hiding things from us because he doesn't want us to know. In fact, it's on the contrary. He wants us to know. The key is, how bad do you want to know it? And so we saw last week, we took a look at the mystery, and Jesus turned to 12 disciples, and he told his 12 disciples, to you... It has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom. Well, why? Why couldn't he tell a multitude of 20,000 people the same mystery? It was because these 12 had paid a price. And so on this discovery and on this search, we realize that if you're going to discover the mystery, you're going to have to search for it. And the search comes at a price. And so God wants to know how bad do you want it. He's not hiding things so uh, he can 
play cat and mouse game with us. He's not trying to hide things and, and not reveal things to us. You know, we always throw out those verses, well, God's, way, God's ways are higher than our ways, or, uh, you know, his thinking is above ours. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't want us to seek after that. He wants us to know his will. He wants us, and in fact, he's made provision, but it takes time. It takes preparation. It takes getting in the word. It takes communicating with the Father. And Jesus did these things. He paid a sacrifice deeper than going to the cross. Going to the cross was Jesus' purpose. But he paid a sacrifice to find that purpose, and the sacrifice was spending time with his Father. He paid the same sacrifice that you and I have to pay on a daily basis. Because like I said, he could have sought his own will. He could have gone his own way, his own way but because he paid, the, he paid the price to go on the search to find his purpose in life, he was able to find it and fulfill it. And we're in the same position. We have a purpose for our lives. And one of the biggest questions among the church today, one of the biggest questions among believers today is, what is God's will for my life? What is God's purpose? Why am I here? What am I doing? And today, and through these few weeks, we've been looking at we don't have to ask if anymore. Is it God's will? But we can know God's will. In business propositions, in daily dealings, should I go back to school? Should I find another job? Should I stay where I'm at? Should I get married? Should I marry this person? Those are questions that we have on a daily basis, and God has the answers. He's not trying to hide them. Well, you know, if, if, if God considers me worthy, one day he'll reveal it. No, he wants you to search, pay the price, and the mystery will be revealed to you. And this week I want to wrap it up with the great assurance. Today we're going to talk about the great assurance. Because it, it's one thing to know that God has a plan for your life. It's one thing to know that he's revealed it to you. But it's another to know that you're in it. Now, that's the, that's the tricky part. See, we, we've gotten, we, we know God has a great purpose for our lives. We know that. We know that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. We can make uh, requests and petitions known to him. He hears us when we pray, and he's ready and waiting to answer. We know that. We know that there's a mystery, and we know that if we pay the price, we will find the answer. We'll find what that will and what that purpose is. But then... The tricky part is, am I in the will of God? Now we need to be assured of it. Now we need to know that we are in God's will. So I want to take you on um, a small journey today, and we're going to look um, at how we can know God's will and God's purpose for our life. Let's start over in Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6, verse 36. See, not only does God want us to know that he has a will or know his will. But he wants us to know that we're in it. He wants us to be assured that, no, I'm following on God's path and nothing can get me off. Nothing can get me. Because a lot of times, even when we're in God's will, we still ask the question, if. A lot of times, even when we're, uh, you know, we're, we're wholeheartedly seeking, we're putting everything to practice that we've been talking about, that question still tries to arise. And we want to get rid of all of it. We want to get past all of it. And we want to be able to walk steadfast knowing that we're in his will. So look at this in John chapter, or I'm sorry, Judges chapter 6. This is the story of Gideon. Now Gideon, let me give you a little backstory. This guy was actually scared. This guy was actually in fear. His country was being raided by enemies, by other countries. Why? Because his people got out of the will of God. They got into disobedience. In fact, the whole book of Judges is God's people disobeying him, being sent over to their enemies. Then they cry out to the Lord and say, God, we need you. And then God delivers them. And it's one big circle. Then they find themselves back in disobedience. Okay? This is what's going on. And every time, God would bring a judge to deliver them. He brought up Samson, brought up Deborah. These are the judges that God rose up to conquer their enemies. Well, look where God goes. He goes to the backwoods, to the smallest town, to the smallest family in the smallest town, 
and finds Gideon hiding away. That does not sound like someone you want delivering your country. That does not sound like someone you want coming up and standing in front of your enemies and saying, stop what you're doing. But that's the man that God finds. And so we find Gideon, he's hiding. An angel of the Lord comes to him and says, you mighty man of valor. I love that. That's the plan of God. I just told you God has a plan. God will call you what you are not. God speaks to what you are on the inside to get that to transpire on the outside. That is the God we serve. See, your, your checkbook doesn't matter. Your business doesn't matter. Your marriage doesn't matter. Because God is speaking to what it can be. God always spoke to the inside of something. Look at Abraham. He said, in fact, I'm gonna, we're going to stop calling you Abram. We're going to start calling you Abraham because you are a father of many nations. He's a hundred-year-old man who can't have children. When he created the earth, we go all the way back to creation, and he spoke to the seed. He spoke to the water. He said, the water will bring forth fish. The water, will, what's he doing? He's speaking to the ground and saying the ground will bring forth trees. And he's starting the motion. He always speaks to what's on the inside. You need to know that this morning. That'll help you with your if question. Because what do we do? Every time God tries to show us what we can be or what we can accomplish, what do we always point to? Our natural surroundings. But God this. But God that. And he's saying, I'm not talking to any of that. I'm talking to what's on the inside. I'm talking to the, the potential and the capability and the power that's on the inside of you. That's who he's speaking to. And so he gets rid of, he goes ahead and throws out Gideon's if question right out the gate. And he says, mighty man of valor. Why? Because you know Gideon's first response. I'm in the smallest town. I'm in the smallest family. I mean, I'm sitting here hiding. We easily want to start disqualifying what God has already made able. He's already empowered us. So he calls him a mighty man of valor. And then you go down later on and it says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Why? Because you can't do it on your own. And God knows you can't do it on your own. He has given us his Holy Spirit who lives within us, who empowers us to do everything he's calling us to do. God revealed something to me this week. And and he said, I'm not concerned with your ability. I'm concerned with your availability. And if you just make yourself available, I will make you able. That's the God we serve. If you just make yourself available to Him. The Word says when we are weak, He is strong. And a lot of times we try to discredit and try to disqualify ourselves based on natural things. I only have this much in my account. I don't have a degree. I didn't finish high school. I'm not married. I don't have a family. We want to come up with all kinds of reasons why we can't do what he's calling us to do. And he's got one reason why you can, and it's because I live inside of you. Just make yourself available, and I will make you able. And so that's what he did with Gideon. Now look what happens here in Judges chapter 6, verse 36. Gideon is looking for a sign. And verse 36 says, So Gideon said to God, If you will save Israel by my hand, As you have said, look, I shall put a fleece of wool on the threshing floor. If there is dew on the fleece only, and it is dry on all the ground, then I will know that you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said. Verse 38, and it was so. When he rose early the next morning and squeezed the fleece together, he wrung out the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. Verse 39, then Gideon said to God, do not be angry with me, but let me speak just once more. Let me test, I pray, just once more with the fleece. Let it now be dry only on the fleece, but on all the ground let there be dew. And God did so that night. It was dry on the fleece only, but there was dew on all the ground. So Gideon wants confirmation. Did God already speak to Gideon? Yes. Let me ask you this. Is God's word powerful enough to send Gideon out to do what he's asking him to do? Yes. But Gideon's looking for a natural confirmation. Now, 
Here's what I want to show you this morning. Because a lot of times we go to this. When we want to know if we're in God's will or we want to know if this is right, a lot of times we wait for the natural to line up with what God's already told us to do. But this, for a New Testament believer, remember he's in the Old Testament. He doesn't have the Holy Spirit living in him. The Holy Spirit came upon him to empower him, but he doesn't have the Holy Spirit living within him, confirming, yes, that's the word of God, you need to do it. We have the Holy Spirit. So we don't need a natural sign. We don't need this. And a lot of people say, well, you know, God, if it's God, then this will happen. If this God, then he'll wake me up tomorrow morning. If this is God, he'll show me in a vision. If this is God, an angel will come down and... I'm going to tell you right now, you have, which would be greater faith? If an angel told you to do something or if a God you cannot see told you to do something? The God you can't see. And a lot of people boast and a lot of people are proud about seeing angels. Uh, half, the, half the people that say that, I, I got a question because every single person in the Bible that saw an angel fell flat on, the, flat on their face in fear. <laughs> These guys are like, yeah, I saw an angel of the Lord last night. It's like no big deal. It's like this was earth moving for these people. They were in complete reverence. They were in complete awe. But a lot of times we're waiting for a natural sign to confirm what God has already said. I'm going to tell you this morning, you have someone living inside of you that is already confirming with you on a daily basis what God is telling you to do. Let's look at it in a... Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12. You've got someone on the inside of you. We don't have to wait. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12 says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. You have the Holy Spirit. Right now, the Holy Spirit has come. He has made his home in you. The, uh, Paul referred to us as a temple of the Holy Spirit, his house where he abides. He lives in you, confirming God's word. So we don't need to wait for natural. We don't need to be putting out fleeces. That is not scripturally correct for a New Testament believer. Now, here's what I do want to say to that. I'm not saying that you will never have a natural confirmation. I'm not saying that. But I'm not, but what I am saying is that the natural does not override the spiritual. This is the first thing we have to understand when we're talking about God's will. Look, you've got to remember God is a spirit. God is a spirit. So why are we looking for a natural sign from a spiritual God to a spiritual man on the inside? Remember, the real you is a spirit. You are a spirit, you possess a soul, and you live in a body. That is the, real, that, that is the three-part being. And for us, living in the natural, living in the seen realm, we get our eyes on the seen, the naturally seen. But the Bible says that the spirit realm is actually more real than the natural realm. Why? Because the spirit realm can change the natural realm. In the natural, you don't have the finances to do it. But in the spirit realm, a miracle can take place and that'll happen. In the natural realm, you're sick. But in the spirit realm, you have healing. And healing will change the natural symptoms in your body. So we have to get focused on the spirit realm. People that struggle with God's will, struggling with knowing if they're in God's will, they are people that are more naturally discerned than spiritually discerned. They are people that have their eyes more naturally on what they can see and what they live in and their environment and atmosphere than what is taking place on the inside. But God will use a natural. God will use a natural sign. There will, there will be things, but it will only confirm what he's already told you in the Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Romans 8, verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. 
If you're a son of God, you are led by the Spirit of God. You have the Holy Spirit living within you, guiding you, leading you, teaching you, just as Jesus said. Remember what Jesus said? He said, I am going to go to the Father. In fact, it's better for me that I go to the Father. But I'm sending another. What does that word another mean? Just like me. One just like me. I'm sending you another, and he will guide, he will teach, he will reveal, he will show. That's the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And he's doing that so we can know God's will and be in God's will. God has entrusted one person to lead his children. One person. He has given that job assignment to one person, the Holy Spirit. So let me follow it up with this. He did not leave it to your spouse. He didn't leave it to your parents. He didn't leave it to your best friend that you confide in everything with. He didn't leave it to your co-workers. He didn't leave it to your employers. He left it to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the only one that has the qualifications to properly lead you and guide you. Now, I'm not saying that other people won't speak into your life, but they will speak into your life in line with what the Holy Spirit's already saying. Let me say that again. They will speak into your life only in line with what the Holy Spirit is saying. If it's not in line with what the Holy Spirit is saying, then you drop one, and we know we ain't dropping the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the only one qualified in the entire world to lead you and guide you. That's who, he, that's who God has entrusted that job assignment to. Natural circumstances don't lead us and guide us. Paul said, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by how I feel. The Holy Spirit. If you want to know you're in, in, in God's will, get with the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't try to confirm it. Well, well what do you think? You know, going to our best friend. Well, what, do you, what do you think? You think that's God's will? <laughs> um, and, and we say, well, you know, couldn't the Holy Spirit show them? Yes, but he's already shown you. The Holy Spirit ain't going to tell somebody something about you that you don't already know. The Holy Spirit is first talking to you. The Holy Spirit is first getting with you and saying, this is God's will for your life. This is what I want you to do. In every detail. You know, Kenneth Hagin... Uh, he was he was so in tune with the Spirit. So in tune with the Spirit. I mean, he was there. And, and he made this statement. He said, I can get a yes or a no in the minor details of life. Even in the minor details of life. Nothing is too small for God. He wants you to know. He wants you to know. He wants us to know. He doesn't want us going into bad business propositions that are going to hurt us. He doesn't want us making bad financial decisions. He doesn't want us uh, making life-altering decisions that are going to hurt us in the, in the long run. He wants us making good decisions. And you know what's exciting about the Holy Spirit guiding you and leading you? Is He's already been in your future. You've heard me say this before. The Holy Spirit knows everything. I don't know about you, but when I go to Disney, I don't want someone guiding me through the park that's never been to the park. I mean, I want to get, I want to be purposeful. I want to be effective. I want to know where I'm going. You don't want a guide taking you somewhere they've never been before. Who wants to follow that person? So when you're going into your future, when you're making decisions that deal with your long-run life ahead of you, you want someone leading you that's already been there. See, I don't know what may come tomorrow, but the Holy Spirit does. And He's going to help me today make decisions that will prepare me for tomorrow. That will propel me for tomorrow. That's exciting. And He lives in me. He's qualified. He's capable. He's my guide. He's my teacher. He'll reveal things to come. He'll remember. He'll help you 
remind you of what God has done in your life in the past. That's the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, the greatest assurance that we have to know that we're in God's will, the greatest assurance, we already know the Holy Spirit is leading and guiding us, but the greatest assurance that we have to knowing God's will is obedience. If you look at anyone in the Bible that was led by God and did great things, they had one characteristic all in common, and it was obedience. Obedience in the small step. Obedience in the small step. Look, if you're wondering why God's not showing you what's coming tomorrow or showing you or making it clear what His will is, Maybe it's because we're missing instruction today. And you look at Abraham, and he obeyed one word, go. Pack it up and move that way. Where am I going? I'll tell you when you get there. I mean, how you got a guide, and you're just following him. Hey, where are we going? You'll find out when we get there. When, when are we going to stop? We'll stop when we get there. That could be hard for some people. Especially for some of us type A people that we got to have it all out. And we got it bulleted and I know what I'm doing the next day. And I know what I'm doing next year. And I know what I'm doing the next ten years. Right? And this is God saying to Abraham, get up and move your family. Move your family from where you've been raised. From where you've grown up. From where they've lived all their lives. We've never been anywhere else. And he just says, when you get there, I'll go. Moses. And Moses, man, he had one of those conversations with God of, but if. He had a lot of if questions. But God, I can't speak well. But God, I killed a man back in Egypt. But God, what if? What if? What if? And God took care of every if and finally got down to just... I mean, he even told Moses. He, he said, I will tell you what to speak when you get there. I mean, think about it. You're going before Pharaoh himself. You want a little heads up. You want to have some kind of dialogue. You want to have some kind of bullet point list, some kind of outline. All right, this is what I'm going to say when I get there. You want to rehearse it in the mirror a little bit. You want to say it. You want to make sure you got it down. And he says, I'll tell you what to say when you get there. A Gideon. I mean, every every will of God that gets revealed to you is based upon instruction in a previous session, in a previous area in your life. So that's key. What what is God asking you to do today that He's trying to prepare you for tomorrow with? What what is He is He asking you to quit that job even though it doesn't make sense to quit the job? And that's all you know is quit the job. We, we, there's, there's stepping out. But remember, you have a guide that's already been there. You have a guide. And we can know God's will. We can have that confirmation. John chapter 12, verse 49. John chapter 12, verse 49. See, Jesus was very well versed in following God. Jesus was very in tune with what God wanted him to do. But look at why. Here in verse 49 he says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command what I should say and what I should speak. How would you like to be that confident in life? That I'm only saying what he told me to say. I'm only doing what, he's to, what he has told me to do. That's some confidence. Verse 50, And I know that his command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Verse 50, he says, His commands are life. His instructions are my life. That was the value he placed on God's instruction in his life. That's why he would do nothing but obey what God told him to do. 
That's why he would do nothing but do exactly how God directed him, how God led him. God told me to do this. My father has spoken to me, and so I will say what he tells me to say. I will do, I will go. That's the confidence he had, but it became it came because of the obedience to the instruction that was given. That instruction, uh, that obedience to the instruction, it'll give you confidence. John chapter 14, verse 15. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. Notice first here, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Obey the instruction that comes. Then look what happens in verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Keep my commandments. Obey the instruction that's coming. Obey the word of God that you have for today. And the Holy Spirit will guide you and lead you and direct you for the rest of your life. He will abide with you forever. You will know him. You will receive him. Why? Because of obedience. Our obedience today sets us up for tomorrow. And we have to get a clear picture of that. We have to get a clear picture of what God is asking us to do today is allowing his will to be performed in our life down the road. And we want to make a bigger deal of what's ahead and knowing God's will for tomorrow. And he's saying, just take care of today. In fact, Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 6. He says, tomorrow's got its own problems. It's got its own cares. It's got its own worries. That's why he said, seek first the kingdom today. Seek first the kingdom. Put priority on my instructions. So the Holy Spirit leads and guides us as we remain obedient. It, one, of the, one of the tough things is the more you disobey the Holy Spirit... It's called grieving the Holy Spirit, and the quieter he gets. See, the Holy Spirit's not a forceful person. He's not going to get louder the more you disobey. He gets quieter. He gets further away. And the more you shun the Holy Spirit, the more you say, no, I'm not going to do that, no, I'm not ready, no, it's uncomfortable, then his voice gets quieter and quieter. But as you obey, you're actually, it's like, it's like on a radio, the old time radios, when you're searching around for the station, you got that bar that's moving around. My son's not going to know anything about that. <laughs> I hardly know anything about that. But you got that bar that's moving around. What are you trying to do? You're trying to hear it clearly. And the way that you tune that dial, the way that you get in tune with the Holy Spirit is through obedience. And the more you obey, the clearer you hear him speak. And the more assurance that you have that you're in God's will. Assurance comes through, through obedience. So we know the Holy Spirit is living in us. <clears throat> we know that we have to get in tune with the Holy Spirit. And the way we do that is by obedience. But here's the other thing. To hear... We already know that the Holy Spirit is the one who guides us. He is the one who has the qualifications. So here's the, the second step we got to do. we got to shut out everything else that's around us. we got to shut out the other voices. If you are going to get dialed in to the Holy Spirit, then you have to do away with everything else. Confusion is a product of too many voices. Confusion always comes when you lend your ear to too many voices. You have to be careful who you allow to speak into your life. You have to be careful who you share things with in your life. Because people want to put their personal opinions. They want to put their, their case on it. They want to put their perspective on it. But the only perspective and the only opinion you want is God's. That's the only one you want. 
You won't walk out God's will if you have everybody else's idea of if this is God's will or not. It's not going to happen. There's too many questions. There's too much confusion. Facebook is a, is a, is a huge danger in this area. Now, I don't have anything against social networking. I use it myself. The church uses it. It's great. It's a great tool if you use it properly. But there are some people that just open up way too much on Facebook. And then you get 19 comments from relatives and from friends and coworkers on what they think about that situation. And now we're not dialed into the Holy Spirit anymore. We're scrolling up and down Facebook posts and comments on what they think about. I remember I, there was a, someone I knew that put on there, they were thinking about uh, uh, quitting their job and moving to some. Don't put that stuff on. Hey, guys, just thinking about, you know, this job opening came up and this other. And you get, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, there were people that said no. There were people that said yes. There were people that said maybe. I want a sure foundation. I want a solid rock. And people are not a solid rock because there may be someone that quit a job and moved across country and it didn't work out for them. And then there may be someone that quit a job and moved across country and they met the woman of their dreams and got this great job and this great family and they're living the high life. So now what? Now we're in a 50-50 debate on do it or not do it. I'm going to tell you the one person you want to go to is the one who's actually qualified to lead you and guide you. That's the person you want. That's who you want to Facebook with your questions. Let's get face-to-face with God. Let's make some FaceTime with God and say, God, I don't know the answer, but I know that you are willing and able to reveal the answer to me, so I'm going to seek you, I'm going to seek your word, and I'm going to get in communication with you. I'll tell you right now, Jesus did what he did, not because he confided in everybody and said, hey, do you think this is a good idea? He went to God. Now, here's the other part of that. A lot of times what God is asking you to do is going to be completely contrary to what everybody else says and what it already looks like on the outside. So, yeah, don't go to people with what God's telling you to do because I'm going to tell you, Jesus knew when it was time for him to go to Jerusalem. He had just raised up Lazarus. And that was the straw that broke the camel's back. The Jews said, if we don't do something about this man now, we're going to lose everybody. They actually sought to kill Lazarus. They went after Lazarus and said, we're going to take that guy out too. That was it. The reason why Jesus didn't go to Lazarus immediately was because he was already in a different city because he couldn't get in Jerusalem knowing they were going to kill him. And so, what happens? He decides, this is it, it's Passover week, we're going to Jerusalem. And what's everyone telling him to do? No, 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 they want to kill you. Have you heard? Ever since that whole Lazarus debacle, everyone wants to take you out. They don't want you near there. And if you show up there, they're going to kill you. Thank God he wasn't moved by the circumstances. Thank God he wasn't moved by what everyone was telling him around him. In fact, when he brought it up to Peter, Peter didn't have a very good response for him. And he had to tell him to get behind me, Satan. Jesus wasn't a people pleaser. Jesus wasn't looking at people and and saying, oh, okay, if, if that's what you think. He didn't get his 12 disciples and say, all right, let's take a vote real quick. Who thinks I should go to Jerusalem? Who thinks I shouldn't? No, he knew I am led by God. He's the only one qualified to lead me and direct me in my life. And that is who has voice in my life. We have to be careful. We have to shut these things out. And I'm telling you, the number one way to shut it out is get with God. That's the number one way. If you want to get rid of confusion in your life, the Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. And if you want to know... If you want to get rid of confusion and get get in the know and get rid of the if questions, get with the one who already knows. Get with the one that's living inside of you that already knows what tomorrow is going to bring. Don't go to everybody else. Now, yeah, there's, there's people in our lives that 
we allow to have voice because we trust their character, we trust their opinions. I mean, I have people in my life, very few, but I have people in my life that I know they're going to tell me the truth no matter what. They're not going to be moved by personal opinion. They're not going to be moved by how they feel. Those are the kind of people you want around you. You want people that are going to hear from the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says, confirm it with two or three witnesses. There's people in my life, if I feel God's directing me in something, and I know, and I know it's the Holy Spirit speaking to me, that there are some people that I'll go to in my life and say, hey, uh, you know, God, God's directing me. God, I think God is kind of leading me towards this direction. Will you agree with me? Or will you pray with me that I'll have clarity? I don't go to him and say, what do you think? Does it sound like a good idea? Is it not a good idea? Because when it comes down to it, I'm the only one that can know by the Holy Spirit. But they may get insight from the Holy Spirit on the same situation. But that's not my first response. My first response is get with God. Now look at this. This is how we get with God. This is how you get in tune with the Holy Spirit. You have to shut out those voices. We're not moved by what we see. We're not moved by the natural. Well, we don't allow people to just have, uh, have their way with our thoughts and what we think God is telling us to do. But in uh, Romans, Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8 verse 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be spiritually minded, what does that mean? That means to be connected with God, not being moved by the things on the outside. See, I don't make a decision based upon how it looks on the outside. I don't make a decision based upon what, what other people may think about the situation. I'm spiritually minded. And spiritually minded people, they're full of life, and they have peace. Galatians chapter 5.22 says that the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace. The same Holy Spirit that is speaking to you and revealing God's will to you is capable of giving you peace in that situation. Now here's the thing with peace. We cannot misunderstand peace and define it as, define it as uh, mental clarity. Peace does not mean it will make sense to your head. Let's go ahead and get that peace on the inside. Peace on the inside does not mean, oh, okay, I get it, yeah, that, that's awesome. No, because sometimes on the outside, you're still going to spend time racking your brain trying to figure out how it's going to work. But when you are in God's will, when you know God's will, and you know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, you will have a peace on the inside. Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 says, The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Surpasses. That means it goes beyond your understanding. I may not be able to understand it. I may not be able to comprehend it. But I have a peace on the inside about it. Because it's from the Holy Spirit. And it will guard your mind, and it will guard your heart. Why do our minds and our hearts need to be guarded? Because there's things trying to get in. But when your mind is at peace, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, it'll guard you against people that say, no, that's not a good move. It'll guard you from the outside saying, no, this isn't the right time to do that. It'll guard you from saying, uh, the, the, the natural environment is not a good time to do this. I mean, I, I know people that by the Spirit saw they needed to invest in certain things. And people on the outside said, no, no, you don't want to do that. You don't want to invest. That's not a good investment. That's not where you want to put your money. But when you know by the Holy Spirit, it will be contrary to the outside, and it will go beyond natural reasoning and thinking. That's the kind of thought process I want to have. That's the kind of leading from the Holy Spirit that I want to walk in and operate in on a daily basis. Daily situations. And not just big, major ones. Not just the, the life alter. I mean, just the, the small daily decisions. That's what we need to have. 
So getting rid of this if question, we've got to go to the right person. We've got to go to the right source. Quit trying to get the natural to line up before you take a step into God's will. Go off of what he's asking you to do. Secondly, shut everything else down. Shut it all down. Uh, there are some things, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, the, the matter of the decision does not determine how quick you find God's will. Let me, let me put it this way. How, how much, how big the decision seems to be does not determine how quick you will know in prayer if that's God's will. Personal example. In the past ten years, I've made two very large decisions in my life. Moving to Florida and moving here. Huge decisions. I mean, you're picking up and moving, uh, and especially for, for Florida. I really didn't even have an idea of what I was getting into. But I'll tell you, I, I, I know, thank God I know it now. But going into it, I knew one person, and I'm picking up moving 1,200 miles across the country. And really in the natural, just kind of taking a chance. Now, I'll tell you this, there were plenty of people in my life that did not want me to go. I had friends, I had family that would have rather me stay in Texas. I'll tell you that right now. And thank God I wasn't moved by the natural. Thank God I wasn't held back. But that was a big decision for me. Moving here and pastoring this church, that's a big decision. But let me, let me tell you this. Both of them, I knew the answer within 48 hours. Both of them. What, and see, we, 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 we know this term, waiting on God, wait on God. But we think we're waiting on God and we're waiting for him to figure it out. <laughs> well, when God figures it out, he'll tell me. Waiting on God is not waiting for God to decide on what he wants to do. Waiting on God is you getting rid of everything around you and just getting connected with the source. And however long that takes you, that's how long it'll take to press in. And, and for some of us, it takes more pressing. For some of us, it takes a few more hours in prayer. For some of us, it takes a little bit longer in the Word, and that's okay. The biggest thing you want to know is when you're going into God's will, that there are no uh, natural or selfish reasons why I'm going into this, whether going into it or not going into it. Sometimes we will do a thing just because we want to do it selfishly. I mean, if I was in a situation in Texas where I was tired of Texas and didn't want to be there and tired of being around my family and just wanted to do something different, then at the drop of a hat I could have made that decision. It could have been the wrong decision based upon wrong reasons. And so there's all kinds of things that want to alter our decisions. There's all kinds of things that want to determine the outcome of something. But there's only one that has the right and the responsibility of guiding us into that, and that's the Holy Spirit. And so however long it takes us to get clued into that, and like I said, some of it takes more pressing in. I mean, I've made decisions uh, that, that took me a while to really know. Is this the right time? Is this when I need to do it? I mean, when, when I took the children's pastor position in St. Augustine, that one took a little longer. Why? Because I didn't want to be a children's pastor. Straight up. At the time, it was not in my will. It was not in my thought process. See, I've always wanted a senior pastor. But man, when I made the decision and got in, it was the best thing on the face of the planet. And now, I'd go back to it in a heartbeat. It was awesome. It was, it was exactly what I needed to catapult me into this phase of ministry in our lives. But that decision took a little bit longer. Pastor Earl called me up and, and said, hey, we've got this opening. We think you and, uh, you and Ashley are a great fit there. And, you know, um, so pray about it. 
And, you know, they asked me, that was like on a Monday, and he asked me again on Wednesday evening at church, and I said, still didn't know. But what was I struggling with? Was, that, was it because God didn't want to tell me? Was it because God didn't want me to know? Was it because I wasn't worthy enough to know God's will for my life, and so I'm just in a big, if this is your will, God, guessing game, walking in the dark? No. It's because I had to get rid of some flesh. I had to get rid of, I had to press in and say, God, I just want to know your will for my life. I just want to know your purpose and your plan. I just want to get in with your Holy Spirit. Look at this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Why does it need to be sharp? Because it is piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. If you want to know God's will on something, you need to divide the spirit from your soul. Remember, your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. What you think, how you feel, and what you want to do. That's your soul realm. And a lot of times, we're still holding on to too much of what we think about something, what we want to do, or how we feel about something. So guess what? We have God's Word. And when you get in that Word, I'm telling you, when you're making those decisions, and you're wondering, is this God's will for my life? Is this what He wants for me? Is this where He wants me to go? Does He want me to hook up with this guy? Does He want me to enter this business? Does He want me to take this job? When you're making those decisions, getting God's word, and it will help divide the spirit, what God wants, and the soul, what you want. That is why the word is there. And again, that just may take more time. And it's not dependent on how great the decision is. It's dependent on how quickly can we get rid of what we want to do, get rid of the natural around us. So you shut those people out and say, this is between me and God. We're going to figure this out. Be careful of the voices that you let in. And then communicating with God. Remember, Jesus knew God's will because he spent time with the Father. Knowing the Father will help reveal his will. Growing up, I knew what my father wanted because I spent time with him. My natural father, my dad. I knew what he expected of me. I knew what he wanted me to do. I knew, and even if he wasn't there and I was somewhere, I knew what he would want me to do. If it was 10 o'clock at night and I was out somewhere, I knew he's going to want me to call him to let him know where I'm at. Why? Because he told me, because I spent time with him, because I communicated with him, because I developed a relationship. Knowing the Father will make it that much easy for you to know his will for your life. And a lot of times we just want to know God's will, but we don't want to know God. We want, God, what do you want to do? I, I, you know, I don't have time to spend with you. I don't have time to talk with you. I don't have time to get in your word. I don't have time to, to, to try to figure out you and, and, and know everything. But I just, I, I need to know, do I need to take this job? Just yes or no. It's like we're just putting on a piece of paper and just check one or the other. Shoot me a fax. Send me an email. Text me. Facebook me. And God's saying, I want to develop a relationship. I want, I want you to be able to make daily decisions based upon what I want you to do. I want you daily to know, should I go eat here? Should, should I go eat there? I mean, there, there's decisions that sometimes we think are just too small for God, but what if there's a, a divine intervention that God wants you to have with someone at a restaurant and he wants you to go eat there? Well, I'm not saying he's directing us down to the T, but I am saying that his Holy Spirit will speak to us on the inside and say, you know what, go down this road today. And because you went down that road, you avoided an accident over here. That's the kind of daily influence and the daily relationship I want to allow the Holy Spirit to have in my life. 
And I want to be able to know it clearly. I want to be able to know it. You know, I was talking um, with the, uh, had a, a staff meeting with the staff in St. Augustine. I, I Skype into those twice a month. And we were talking about prayer. And uh, a lot of people make a big deal over the quantity of time that they spend in prayer. Well, I prayed for eight hours. Or I prayed all night long. Or I prayed for this long. I'm going to tell you what's better than that is developing a, a daily relationship of talking to God throughout the day. Making quality out of it. Making, you know what? I'm in my car driving and I'm talking to God. I'm, I'm on the job and, I, and I'm talking to God. I'm, I'm at my home and I'm talking to God. And here's where that will help you. Watch this. Here's where that will help you. When you learn to talk to God on a regular daily basis at any time, you will learn to hear from God on a regular daily basis at any time. Now, he can talk to you in the car instead of just when you take your little closet time at home for two hours. See, now we think the only time that God can talk to me is when I'm in deep prayer with him. But no, now he can talk to me in the car. He can talk to me on the job. He can talk to me when I'm at home with my kids. He can talk to me when I'm at the park. Because I make the, the relationship, I, I make the connection this way. He's making it back to me anytime. And you'll learn to hear him at any time. And that is how we get rid of the if questions. We've got to, we have to get rid of that because as believers... As the church today, if the church is asking if, what do you think the world is asking? If we don't know God's will, how are we supposed to help the world? We're supposed to be a light to the world. We're supposed to be salt in the earth. And we don't even know what we're doing. We, we, we can't even be anywhere that God wants us to be because we have our own agendas. We have our own plans. We don't even know what the voice of the Holy Spirit sounds like. We don't even know what it's like to obey someone that we can't see. We don't know what it's like to step out into something that doesn't make sense in the natural realm. We have to, we have to be clued in on these things on a daily basis. And in our jobs, in our homes, in our daily affairs, every decision we make, we can know I can get a yes or a no. And that peace, that peace will come up on the inside. There's decisions that I've made that on the outside, it, it, it was contrary. It was not the right time. It was not the right thing to do. But on the inside, I had a peace about it. And you'll have that peace. I'll tell you right now, if you don't have the peace, don't do it. And if you still don't feel like you don't have the clarity, keep pressing keep pressing that's the biggest thing i tell people some people they'll they'll put an ultimatum on god all right god you have till friday to let me know if i need to do this or not really you're going to tell the holy spirit when he can talk to you you're going to tell the holy spirit how he's going to lead you you might as well just do it on your own then and we think god shows up at the last minute but we forget he's not on a time clock we're on a time clock and his last minute is right on time our last minute is his right on time. We think, wow, God, you came through in the nick of time. He said, no, it's normal. God, i got to pay this bill by this time. It's 5 o'clock. Well, it's 4.59. i still got 60 seconds to make something happen for you. That's how God works. And a lot of times you'll find out he's going to work in a way to where only he gets the glory. I mean, look at Gideon. Uh, there's only only one person get the glory in that deal. They didn't have to fight the battle. They got to watch a, a battle take place in front of them. They got a show that day. That's the kind of God we serve. And so we, we have to get rid of our, our natural thinking because I'm going to tell you, the, one of the biggest things that keeps people from walking out God's will in their life is their will for their life. We say we want God's will, but sometimes we just want to know if God's will is our will. <laughs> God, God, is this your will? Because I would really like that. God, is this where you want me to be? Because I'd really like to be there. God, is this what, what you want me to do? Because I'd really like to do that. We need, to, we need to go in wanting to know God's will for what it is, knowing that that's the best decision. That's the best choice we can make. That's the best place we can be. That's the best thing we can do. 
And it doesn't have to line up with what everyone else says. We shut out the voices and we get in tune with the number one person who's qualified to lead us. And that is the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we thank you for this word this morning. We thank you that we that you want us to know your will. It's not a secret. You're not trying to hide us. Try to hide it. Uh, You're not trying to get us to play a guessing game. All our lives, but you want us to know your will so we can fulfill your purpose. You need us in the earth, Father, because you have placed us here with the design, with a plan, and with a purpose. And you want us to know your will. You want us to know your ways. So, Father, I thank you for this body that, that we will walk out daily taking steps, day in and day out, to seek after your will, to seek after your purpose. Whatever it is that we need to get out of the way, Father. Whatever, whatever it is that we need to cut out, whatever it is uh, that, that we need to shut down to make sure we press into knowing your will. Father, I thank you that we'll be obedient to do that. We'll adhere to the instruction that you give us. And we'll be excited walking with you knowing that you have our best interests at heart. And that if we'll just give ourselves to your will, give ourselves to your purpose that we will be fruitful, we will be effective for the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What this